My Rebels, I'm standing on the streets of Ottawa again. We are about to go in to the Trucker Commission of Inquiry. 13 Rebels have been accredited. We're coming in waves. Uh, I've got some interesting clips and interviews for you. Before I get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus so you can see the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's only eight bucks a month. You get all our podcasts in video form. And we do rely on that because, you know, we don't get any money from Trudeau. Thanks. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, the Trucker Commission gets underway with some surprising revelations. It's October 14th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. I'm standing outside the library and archives in Ottawa. I arrived last night. It was a bit of a drizzle. It's still warm enough. You don't really need a coat out. The heat is inside. As you know, this is the Great Commission of Inquiry, as is required any time a prime minister invokes the form of martial law called the Emergencies Act. Built into that legislation is a kind of uh, after-the-fact gut check. But it's more than just a gut check led by a judge. It's an inquiry into whether or not the suspension of civil liberties was justified and, frankly, even legal, because the Emergencies Act is not something that a politician can simply choose to do for political reasons. There must be a legal threshold, a crisis, a danger, an insurrection, a grave threat to the country that must be proved, or at least must be believed to be afoot, before civil liberties can be lifted before bank accounts can be seized, before riot horses are deployed against peaceful processes, protesters, before the country can become a little bit of a Cuba or China or Iran, insert your favorite Trudeau country later. Yesterday, the commission got off to a start with some testimony by some other police forces and other governments. And it was fascinating. Let me give you an example. And this one, you have to do a little bit of clever thinking to understand it. Remember, Ottawa was the largest trucker protest, but there were other trucker protests at the Coots uh, border crossing between Alberta and Montana. There was another trucker blockade of the Ambassador Bridge between Windsor and Detroit. Let me linger on that for a moment. That bridge is probably one of the most strategically important pieces of infrastructure in North America. I understand that about a quarter of all Canada-U.S. trade crosses that bridge because, of course, Windsor and Detroit are really two halves of the same pole when it comes to the auto sector. Parts and half-built cars from one side go to the other. That bridge is so important and much more than giving some pedestrians an extra block to walk here in Parliament or even blocking one of the smallest borders at the Coots crossing. That blockade by the truckers actually was a serious challenge to economic liberty. And yet the Ontario Provincial Police testified yesterday that they were able to peacefully, calmly, and orderly clear the bridge blockade of truckers without incident. And they did all of that 
without the Emergencies Act. Think about that. That's their way of saying, we're police. This is what we do. We have all the tools at our disposal, including, under the criminal code, the ability to commandeer any vehicle. I don't know if you know that, but the criminal code gives police that emergency power right now. They could theoretically stop your car on the road and commandeer it. It's, it's unusual and it's dramatic that they have that power. They did not need the Emergencies Act. They didn't need Trudeau to seize bank accounts to clear the actually economically important blockade in Windsor. Here, listen to the OPP say that yesterday. Even though the OPP was not the policers of jurisdiction, you will hear about how the OPP provided crucial assistance to Windsor, Ottawa, and Toronto. In Windsor, you will hear about how the OPP took on a leadership role working with the Windsor Police Service and with the help of additional resources from other police services successfully cleared the blockade of the Ambassador Bridge. Windsor was very much a success story in terms of how it was handled. In Ottawa, after some delay, you will hear that the OPP took on a leadership role in coordinating resources from different police services, working with on Ottawa Police Service, the Police Service of Jurisdiction. Specifically, you will hear about what worked well, what may not have worked as well, and potential lessons that were learned through these incidents in Ottawa, Windsor, and across the country. You will also hear about federal and provincial emergencies legislation and the extent to which the OPP relied on those authorities. The OPP has significant experience in responding to protests, blockades, and similar activities. While the emergencies legislation, in particular the provincial legislation, provided useful tools, there was sufficient legal authority in their absence to deal with the protest activities that took place over this period of time. Isn't that incredible? The OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, is one of the larger police forces in Canada. Now, Alberta, as I mentioned, had a blockade at the Coots border crossing. You may know that because our reporters, Sidney Fazard and Kian Simone, embedded themselves with those truckers and watched the police negotiations and watched the standoff down there. Very exciting, very interesting. In fact, we made a documentary film about the subject. But again, the Alberta government testified that they were able to peacefully and without incident get the truckers to stand down through a combination of negotiation and I suppose some legal threat, whatever the point is, they did not need Trudeau to suspend our civil liberties. Listen to the government of Alberta make that argument yesterday at this Commission of Inquiry. The government of Alberta applied for standing as a party before this inquiry for two main reasons. First, Alberta believes it is important to share with Canadians the facts about how Alberta was able to effectively deal with the international border blockade in Coots, Alberta, prior to the invocation of the Federal Emergencies Act. Alberta's evidence will show that the existing law enforcement tools that were already in place were completely sufficient, and they were successfully used to peacefully restore the flow of traffic at the Coots border crossing and to disperse the protest to a legal protest site. None of the powers that were created under the Federal Emergencies Act were necessary, nor were any of them used in Alberta to resolve the Coots blockade. 
Alberta is also here to participate in the process of holding the federal government accountable for its decision to invoke the Emergencies Act. Alberta has many questions about how and when that decision was reached. A decision that was made despite the objections that Alberta and other provinces expressed during a phone call placed to the First Ministers on the morning of February 14, 2022, just hours prior to the announcement that the Federal Emergencies Act would be invoked. Since the federal government proclaimed that a public order emergency existed throughout Canada, the Act requires that all of the provinces must be consulted before it can be invoked in that manner. Yet, Alberta's views were only asked for after the decision was apparently made and they were basically ignored. The impact of these measures on the rights of Albertans is of great concern to the government of Alberta. Alberta is here to find answers for its citizens and for all Canadians. We thank the Commissioner for this opportunity to appear as a party, and we look forward to working with the Commission in the weeks to come. It wasn't just Alberta. Here's the government of Saskatchewan making similar points. The government of Saskatchewan has been granted full standing before the Commission and intends to participate in both the evidentiary phase and the policy phase of the proceedings. February 14th was a very significant day from the government of Saskatchewan's perspective. On the morning of February 14th, a First Minister's call was held. The phone call was chaired by the Prime Minister. That phone call was the first time the federal government told the government of Saskatchewan that it was considering invoking the Emergencies Act and declaring a public order emergency. The government of Saskatchewan indicated that it did not want the emergency declaration applying within the province, and other provincial governments did the same. Later that day, the federal government proclaimed a public order emergency. It was not geographically limited, as requested by Saskatchewan, and other provinces, and as we know, it remained in effect until February 23rd. For its part, the government of Saskatchewan is primarily interested in four areas which will be explored in this inquiry. The first area is whether there were reasonable grounds to believe that circumstances amounting to a public order emergency existed on February 14th. The second area concerns whether the consultation requirement under Section 25 of the Act was met. Saskatchewan's position is that the federal government had already determined that a nationwide emergency would be declared before the First Minister's call on February 14th. The call was not so much about consulting as it was about telling. The third area concerns whether the emergency measures were overbroad. The financial measures, for example, imposed broad responsibilities on financial institutions with little guidance. 
and they created offenses for not complying with those new responsibilities. The final area concerns to what extent Saskatchewan residents were impacted by the emergency measures. The government is concerned that residents' rights may have been unnecessarily infringed by these measures. The government looks forward to participating in the Commission and assisting the Commission in fulfilling its mandate. Isn't that interesting? There was so much news coming out, and that was really only just the first day of testimony. I understand that the judge who is overseeing this Commission of Inquiry has said that he is willing to work into the evening and work on Saturdays as well. I am standing, no offense, but in the laziest city in Canada. And I say that having worked here uh, for a few years myself when I was a young man. I worked in, on Parliament Hill for Preston Manning for a couple of years and briefly for Stockwell Day. Uh, there are normal people in Ottawa who work very hard, but in the downtown core, you have the political class, the lobbyist class, the MP class. I mean, think about it. Parliament only sits, what, maybe 100 days a year? I don't even know if it's that much in this pandemic period. They all zoom it in anyways. This is a lazy town. The motto is not a minute on the day, not a penny underpaid. I mean, these are government bureaucrats. These are the people who today half the passport staff are working from home. That's why there's a six-month wait for your passport. Imagine in this lazy town, this town of free money and sloshing bank accounts, that a man is willing to work six days a week and into the evenings. This is very un-Ottawa-ish of him. Now, that doesn't say anything in particular other than he has a work ethic and wants to get this done. But I have to say it is very un-Ottawa-ish. And the testimony from the OPP, the Alberta government, and the Saskatchewan government, too, tell me that this is not exactly going the way the Trudeau propagandists would want them to. And that is the purpose of this commission of inquiry from Trudeau's point of view. I read to you yesterday, and I'll put them on the screen now, the instructions given by Trudeau to the judge, instructing the judge to look at five things, the first three of which are the truckers. He wants his commission of inquiry to put the truckers on trial. Now, the truckers are on trial. Some of them have been given absurd charges, like our friend Tamara Leach, who has already spent 49 days in jail before her trial for the alleged crime of mischief. I've never heard of that before. I don't think that happens anywhere outside of authoritarian regimes like Trudeau's favorites are Cuba-China. So the truckers already are on trial. Trudeau wants to turn this into a political show trial of them. As you can see, he wants to put on trial the misinformation and disinformation. He wants to put on trial their sources of funding. We actually have the information. We know what uh, the sources of funding were. Both GoFundMe and GiveSendGo testified that the vast majority of donations were from Canadians. That's why Trudeau seized their bank accounts. No, this commission of inquiry, if the judge follows the law, will be testing whether or not Justin Trudeau abused the law, broke the law by invoking a civil liberties emergency and declaring martial law. The truckers, I'm sure there are a lot of government lawyers on Trudeau's side who want to put the truckers on trial, and it wouldn't surprise me if some of that happens. Remember, truckers will be witnesses here, including Tamara Leach herself. But I think that if the starting few days are anything to go by, I think this commission of inquiry might actually yield us an interesting set of facts and conclusions that the 
bailout media, the regime media, have not shown us so far. I think, I hope, that the lawyers hired by this commissioner are actually interested in doing their mission. I don't, I don't want to give into a conspiracy theory that this is all a stitch-up. I mean, I understand that the judge in question is a liberal and has been a liberal donor. I don't think you can hold that against them. Judges always have a political past. They, they used to be lawyers. They were looking to curry favor to get appointed. I don't think we can say resolutely that this is an inside job just because you're in Ottawa and you have a, a judge with a liberal past. I don't think you can write off his work here. I actually am encouraged. It's still very early days. There's six weeks to go. We really haven't got into the meat of it yet. But if these first few days are anything to go by, these lawyers and this judge and these witnesses and this testimony is very different from the regime narrative of January, February, March, where they tried their best to demonize the protesters as some sort of violent January 6th insurrectionists. No, I don't think that's going to be borne out at all. Now, we at Rebel News take our job here very seriously. As I told you yesterday, we have booked an Airbnb with four bedrooms and a living room that we have transformed into a little studio. And we are basing our reporters there. We're just a quick walk away from the library and archives. It's we're so close by, and we did that on purpose, so we have quick access here. We don't need to hire cabs or anything. We can literally walk here in five minutes. And we are going to be here every day. Now, it's six weeks, so we're not going to have the same people here for the entire duration. We have our William Diaz Berthiom, our outstanding and bilingual Ottawa reporter. He's going to be here every day because this is his hometown. But others from our team will be cycling through the Airbnb Efrain Monsanto, our head of video, Kean Simone from Alberta. Of course, I'm here for a little bit myself. Um, so we are going to cycle through 15 of our rebel reporters, Alexa Lavoie, Lincoln J. Some of these people made their name in citizen journalism during the convoy. So they're going to be back. But this time, it's not going to be a battle in the streets. It's going to be a battle, well, in the court of public opinion, but more importantly, in this quasi court of law. I'm excited about it. You're going to see all the rebel faces you've come to know and love. Here's what you're going to find at our homepage, truckercommission.com. First of all, I was talking to Efrain, our head of uh, video, and we are now going to embed the full live stream of the commission itself completely. Every word, every utterance will be embedded on truckercommission.com. That should be up by the time you see this video. So if you are super interested in this, you can literally watch every moment just beam straight from this building to you at truckercommission.com. Second of all, we're going to have curated little video clips. So, you know, if you want to watch six, eight, ten hours a day, fill your boots. But we are going to have editors cutting interesting clips like, for example, this one, a lawyer for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Take a look at this guy. Good morning. Um, my name is Brendan Miller of Foster LLP, and I am counsel to Freedom Corp, which is an organization that represents the protesters of which attended Ottawa in January and February of 2022. Uh, my colleague, Ms. Beth Sheba Vandenberg of Foster LLP, is my co-counsel on this matter, as well as the solicitors of record, uh, both Mr. Keith Wilson, King's counsel, as well as Ms. Eva Chipiuk. Uh, who is counsel to the convoy. Uh, with respect to uh, sort of everyone's given an overview of the theory of their case, uh, it is our view that there was no justification whatsoever 
to invoke the Emergencies Act. The Emergencies Act requires several things. One, it could be invoked due to espionage and sabotage. Are you going to hear any evidence about espionage and sabotage? The answer to that is no. Two, it could be invoked on the basis of clandestine or deceptive foreign influence, or foreign influence that involves a threat to a person. Are you going to hear evidence about that? The answer to that is no. It also could be invoked on the basis of threats or use of acts of serious violence against persons or property. Are you going to hear evidence of violence against persons or property? The answer is no. Lastly, it can also be invoked if there is a group or persons trying to destroy or overthrow by violence the system of government of Canada. Are you going to hear evidence about individuals trying to do that? The answer is no. And the answer is, is that there was no reasonable and probable grounds to invoke the Emergencies Act and that the government exceeded their jurisdiction, both constitutionally and legislatively, in doing so. Thank you. Smart guy, that's Brendan, and here's our friend Alan from the Democracy Fund yesterday. Take a look at him. My name is Alan Honor, and I am the litigation director for the Democracy Fund. The Democracy Fund is a registered charity and a civil liberties organization. As you've heard, we're sharing standing with the JCCF and with Citizens for Freedom. Our interest in this inquiry arises from our legal work. In February of 2022, we sent lawyers to Ottawa and to Windsor to provide demonstrators with legal information about their rights when protesting, as well as the limitations of those rights. Around the same time, we were granted intervener status as a friend of the court at the Superior Court of Justice in, the Win in Windsor over the Ambassador, Ambassador Bridge injunction proceeding. Currently, we represent dozens of persons who have been criminally charged in relation to the protests at Ottawa, Windsor, and Coots. And we represent thousands of others who have been charged under the Quarantine Act or provincial offences related to the pandemic. We've also brought applications between, before Superior Courts and the Federal Court of Canada, challenging laws related to the pandemic. Our objective is to participate in the fact-finding process of this inquiry, particularly as it relates to uncovering the truth about why the federal government invoked a public order emergency and how they used their powers. From our perspective, the government did not meet the requisite legal grounds to invoke a public order emergency for the same reasons you heard from counsel for the Freedom Corps. It follows that the extraordinary measures the government invoked were therefore inappropriate and indeed outside their jurisdiction. Our questions and our submissions will focus on these central issues. Thank you. Yeah, just a reminder, there are some good guys who have been given standing, intervener standing by the commission. That's heartening too. So we're going to have curated clips like those two I just showed you. We're also going to have interviews, interviews with the newsmakers when they step out of the room. Yesterday, William interviewed Keith Wilson, the lawyer for Tamara Leach. William also saw Tamara Leach too, but she's under such insane bail conditions. She really was not at liberty 
to talk to us on camera. Here's a quick shot of that moment. William said hi, and the rest of the media party swarmed over like bees to honey. Take a look. Yeah, so just for the viewers at home, you know, that don't really know what's happening for the next six weeks, can you just outline quickly what's happening here in Ottawa? Well, my name is Keith Wilson. I'm one of the lawyers representing the Freedom Convoy. And because the federal government took the <clears throat> unprecedented step of invoking the Emergencies Act, um, under that law, there's a requirement for a public inquiry to be held, and that public inquiry has started here in Ottawa, and it's going to last at least six weeks. There's going to be a wide range of evidence presented, uh, witnesses from the municipality, residents, the protesters, the police, um, and the federal government, including the Prime Minister, are going to be testifying. Um, I think it's going to be a very engaging process. Um, you can tell from the opening day that uh, the different uh, stakeholders have staked out some very different territory in terms of what uh, their positions are and, and what they think uh, needs to be addressed here. And what would be the best possible outcome that you see from this inquiry? Well, the truth that the truth comes out and, and with some accuracy as to what happened here in Ottawa and what was happening uh, in other locations in the country at the time that the Prime Minister and his cabinet made the decision to invoke the Emergencies Act because they made the decision in a cabinet meeting on the Sunday evening of February 13th and on the Saturday and the Sunday of that weekend the borders had opened at Coots and Windsor. There was no border closures. And over that same weekend, myself and other uh, people involved with the Freedom Convoy had negotiated a deal at the initiation of Mayor Watson of the City of Ottawa to move the trucks and the protest vehicles out of downtown, consolidate on Wellington, and, uh, and uh, bring the downtown back to normal. And uh, so, in my view, and I think the evidence is going to show that the, it wasn't justified, there was no need for it. And the Emergencies Act's a pretty dramatic tool, to say the least. Uh, what the Emergencies Act does is it allows the government to interfere in your life without going through the normal due process. So many of my clients, many of those people involved in the Freedom Convoy, had their bank accounts frozen, they were unable to buy groceries, they were unable to put gas in their vehicles, their credit cards stopped working, they were unable to take money out of their bank accounts, their mortgage payments bounced, and so on. Uh, the order issued by the federal government, by the Deputy Prime Minister Freeland, also ordered insurance companies to cancel all of the insurance policies, including life insurance, mortgage insurance, vehicle insurance, and in, uh, ordered the securities companies to liquidate any investments that Canadians had who were on this list. So these are dramatic powers to isolate Canadians from normal living uh, and put them in a virtual jail cell financially. And in addition, what a lot of people don't understand is that under the Emergencies Act, it also gives um, the federal government powers to intrude into areas of provincial jurisdiction. It gets to override provincial government's rights. So it's a very significant tool. We've only used it historically when there's been a world war, like World War I, World War II, and then the uh, infamous FLQ crisis uh, in Quebec where there was murders and kidnappings. So um, it's, it's, this is a very dangerous precedent. If the conditions that were on the ground here uh, were uh, all it takes, then we've set a very dangerous precedent in terms of a government's ability to overreach and strip Canadians of their rights. You know, it was it's very exciting to be here. I showed you, or let me show you again, I'm not sure if I showed you yesterday. I have in my hand a press credential, media pass, 13 of our rebel journalists have been accredited 
And that's so normal, it would be weird. It would be like me saying, hey, look, I've got a driver's license. Well, I should hope so. You're a grown-up uh, <laughs> driver's license. It's not anything to brag about. Well, in this city, as you know, the establishment has tried to blacklist Rebel News several times. We had to go to the Federal Court of Canada twice to be accredited by the Federal Debates Commission. The uh, government-sponsored parliamentary press gallery still blackballs us. So what a refreshing change to have a real judge say, yeah, Revolution, of course you're accredited. Come on in. Do your journalism. Just follow our basic rules for how to conduct yourself in here. Yeah, no problem, boss. So it's severely normal, and it's a pleasure to be on the inside. And it's more proof that Justin Trudeau is out of step with the norms of Canada when it comes to civil liberties. I mean, imagine blacklisting a journalistic organization just because you don't like them. It's, it's really embarrassing if you see a judge, the judge who's running this commission, uh, grant us accreditation is a reminder that normal people don't believe in media censorship like Trudeau does. And and if he's going to grant Rebel News standing and accreditation without quarrel, without haggling, without testing us, just, yeah, come on in. Uh, that tells me maybe he's a little more open-minded on this trucker commission than the regime media themselves. Now, I'm going to go in, and there are some rules about what we can and can't film. Uh, if I can talk to folks inside, I will. But it might just be images of what's going on. Um, I'm going to say goodbye to you now in case I can't do more journalism on the inside. And for the rest of the show, I'm going to leave it in the hands of my teammates to fill up the hour with interesting interviews and video clips that will come today. I'm recording this at 9 a.m. in the morning before things get rolling. And unfortunately, I have to leave Ottawa at noon today. My friends will put in other interviews to fill out the rest of the show. I'm going back to our world headquarters tonight, and we will have people on the ground every single day, including if the commission meets on Saturdays, which is very exciting. Hey, one more thing about truckercommission.com. I told you about the Airbnb. That's $15,000. I told you that we're cycling through our reporters. I've got to say, I got an estimate from our travel assistant yesterday. That's probably going to be twenty grand to cycle through the 15 people back and forth uh, and, and to cover the other travel expenses. there are, we, ha we have some equipment. We set up a little mini studio. So I think we need probably about $40,000. That's a rounding error to the regime media. I mean, they just get it from Justin Trudeau. If you think this kind of journalism is important, and I do, please go to truckercommission.com. Chip in a few bucks if you can. But go there for sure to follow this trucker commission in a way that you simply cannot do with any other media. I'm going to say goodbye now. I'm going to leave the rest of the show with interesting excerpts from the day. Thanks for your support. We're going to keep fighting for freedom. Good night. Well, while Ezra Levant is in Ottawa, covering the Truckers Commission. I'm filling in for him in the guest segment of his show. And I've been watching the Trucker Commission <laughs> with great uh, attention because I find it just so darn entertaining. It's like a peek behind the most soft people you've ever seen in your life. People who would maybe die if you misgendered them. Complaining about phantom honking and mystery smells that are causing them PTSD to this day. And it it almost feels made up. Like the people I'm listening to testify at this committee, at this inquiry, 
are a parody of what I think the other side looks like. But they are truly, at this point, beyond parody. And that ties right in to the interview I want to do here now with my friend David Menzies, because he did a bit of a David Menzies stunt the other day. And people, I think 50% of the people, thought it was real because the other side is beyond parody. He went to a school board meeting dressed as the jugsy male shop teacher who wears the prosthetic chest to operate the bandsaw to deliver a petition to the school board. And joining me now is my friend David Menzies to discuss all of that. Uh, it, it is truly fascinating because I watched the social media responses to the social media clips that went out. And I think 50% of the people thought you were actually the teacher that goes by Kayla Lemieux. Uh, you know, I think you might be right. I'm so happy to be on the show with you, Sheila, because really I do want to get a couple of things off my chest. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Jerry Agar of News Talk 1010 here in the local market did a commentary on this. And uh, he, Jerry's a good guy. And even though he's with the Evil Bell Media, uh, he did give Rebel News and uh, myself some kudos for proving a point about the hypocrisy of the Halton District School Board. But to your original point, um, yeah, I was looking at the Twitter feed on this and people were saying, uh, because there was one point where I yelled at the Halton District School Board trustees, you are, uh, you are um, uh, transphobes. Um, and people were saying, how dare you call this school board transphobes? They are doing everything to accommodate you. And then the next reply would be, um, that's not the guy. That's not Lemieux. That's David Menzies with Rebel News. So it was so it was so unintentionally hilarious, Sheila. Now, let's go back a little bit. I don't know how people couldn't know what this was all about, but there's a teacher at a school, a shop teacher. Formerly presenting as male, who just one day showed up in a wig and these enormous, clownish fake breasts that make a mockery of womanhood, by the way, and to add insult to injury, tight bicycle shorts. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's crazy because this is a classroom full of largely, if I know anything about shop class, teenage boys. And this is how this person is presenting. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous. So tell us about your petition first. Yes, this was a petition uh, where we were demanding the resignation of the entire Halton District School Board, uh, along with its uh, director of education, Mr. Innes He Him. And um, I simply wanted to deliver this petition, more than 16,000 signatures. I think it might be up to over 17,000 right now, Sheila. And the amazing thing is, and the video shows this, I say which one of you is going to accept this petition? And this is how dumb these educrats are, Sheila. If they only came up and said, okay, petition received, uh, I guess you've got no other reason to be here, be on your way. No, they were glued to their seats until they fled from their seats because I wasn't going anywhere and called the police. And naturally, because there's no crime happening in Halton region, uh, Sheila, three police cruisers show up, you know, because I don't know, Boobzilla is on the rampage. But the hypocrisy <laughs> here, Sheila, I think, is that 
the uh, and there was a National Post story about this, and I got my information there because, of course, we were on the outside looking in, and it was a very good story in the Post by Adrian Humphreys, and the uh, Dr. Shuttlecock comes back and she says she apologizes. I'm sorry, to what every was that name? Is it Shellcock or Shellworth? It, it's so complicated. But in any event, she comes wow. back and she apologizes. <laughs> and then she says words to the effect, you can see it in the article verbatim. It was unfortunate that you all had to endure that. Endure what? The sight of a caricature of a woman? The sight of a grotesque drag queen? So think about this, Sheila. It's okay for minors at Oakville yeah. Trafalgar High School to endure that site every school day, but it's offensive for adults at a school board headquarters to endure that site. How do you make sense of it all? What hypocrisy? You know, that was one thing I noticed too, is that she said, oh, you, I'm so sorry that you all had to experience that. <laughs> yeah, that's how those parents feel when their sons have to. Um, there were parents in the audience there though, when you were there. Um, however, I'm not sure why they were because this school board has said, we're not taking any questions. You can elect us. We're going to take that salary, but we won't be taking any questions, ugly questions from concerned parents. If that's the case, these people should hit the bricks and we'll just appoint a bureaucrat every four years who does this sort of stuff. Yeah, that's what was said on the phone. But at the meeting, they, I guess, reversed themselves, Sheila, somewhat. They will take questions, but here's the caveat. You must put your question in writing. They will vet the question wow. and it will occur at the module 7.2, 7.3. In other words, two or three hours into the school board meeting. And these things are snooze fest like you wouldn't believe. They're, it's basically a bunch of self-congratulatory rubbish from one trustee to another. It's appalling. This story, uh, th this issue rather, uh, Busty Lemieux, Sheila, it, not only is it not leading the agenda, it's not even on the agenda, and it's getting publicity the world over from the UK and Australia to India and Pakistan. And the big picture, I think, Sheila, and I've, you know, forgive me if I'm being repetitive, I think there's three theories in terms of what Mr. Lemieux is doing here. One is he is genuinely transitioning from a male to a female. I throw that theory into the paper shredder, and I'll tell you why. I think if a man is going to a female or vice versa, Sheila, you are doing everything possible to blend in with the other sex. You are not trying to bring attention to yourself. You are not trying to pass yourself off as a circus drag queen performer, which is what he's doing. So I don't believe this is a genuine transition uh, uh, story. So that leaves me with two theories and there can be no other theory as far as I'm concerned. One is, there's a lot of chatter online that this individual, Mr. Lemieux, is not a woke person. In fact, he's banged heads with the school board over woke things like gender neutral bathrooms. And what he decided to do is, okay, you sons of guns want, want to you know, weigh in and, and be champions of wokeism. How's this for you? How about me in Zed cup breasts? with nipples protruding through see-through material and uh, working in the shop class that way. Uh, are you going to accept that? Uh, so in other words, Sheila, it's a cosmic prank. The second theory, and I can think of no other, is that this is an individual generally suffering from mental illness, some form of sexual perversity perhaps, and he must be treated with compassion, 
but he certainly must be removed from a classroom because this is inappropriate. But Sheila, at the end of the day, to even question the narrative, right, is an act of transphobia. This school board and most of the mainstream media, they're not interested in investigating. They're all about ignoring this and hoping it goes away. And guess what? It ain't going away. You know, it's funny that the uh, the trans community is so interested in keeping this guy within the fold <laughs> because he's so very obviously for me. I don't think he's a troll at this point. I think he, that would have we would have ripped that Band-Aid off by now. I think he is just like in the olden times, he would be a guy in a trench coat at the bus stop flashing people. <laughs> he gets off on just showing people his parts, even parts he doesn't have. Um, and I think that goes, uh, to my theories about the bike shorts. Um, but <laughs> I, it seems weird that they're so interested in making sure that he's still on their team. And I say that because the new docu-series on Jeffrey Dahmer, and I wouldn't call it a docu-series. I would call it like a drama docu-series on Jeffrey Dahmer was in net was on Netflix, but in the category of LGBTQ entertainment. And they were like, no, no, he's not one of ours. We don't want him. <laughs> but they're so very interested in protecting this very strange man and his right to show genitals, both fake and real to teenage boys. Sheila, you might be right, but here's the other part of the situation. If it's theory number two, i.e. this is a cosmic prank, that is being played upon the Halton District School Board. Uh, Mr. Lemieux is trapped. And by that, I mean, for starters, I don't think he ever dreamed this would go viral around the world like it has. Uh, that's one thing. Secondly, if he comes clean, should this be a prank? If he says, listen, mea culpa, I'm, I'm going to cover up. I'm going to dress as a male. I was just trying to prove a point. One, he will be fired with cause from the Halton District School Board. Secondly, the LGBTQ plus uh, XYZ mafia will come after him. Hell hath no fury mode. I'm telling you, Sheila, for making monkeys out of them, because anyone in that community that is right now supporting him, they will have egg on their face. So uh, Mr. Lemieux either has to play this through until retirement or if he goes back to being a male, he has to, the only thing I can think of, uh, Sheila, uh, he has to now claim he's gender fluid. Sometimes I'm a big breasted chick. Sometimes I'm a regular guy shop teacher. That's just how I roll. So, you know, I guess we'll find out in the weeks and months ahead, but it's a fascinating story nevertheless. If he is faking for, I don't know, to prove a point or whatever, God help him if he runs into parents in the street because he has now if this is the case going to lending to your theory if he if this is the case then he has brought other people's children unwillingly in on the gag and i don't think that's fair to do to minor children and he's going to face blowback from parents um i i suppose either way you look at it um david i want to ask you before we wrap up the interview what are you going to do with that costume well, I'm going to go to the next school board meeting. And you know what? Um, what do I do for an encore? That's always the question. <laughs> I'm thinking of going um, clad in a bikini. And I don't know if uh, retailers like Bikini Village uh, carry tops in Zed Cup. 
uh, which these are. And by the way, I got to say, Sheila, my appreciation for womankind, all the things you do to just go through life, make yourselves pretty. I mean, I was having a backache by the end of that game. I mean, those yeah, boulders we were don't 36 like that. We don't wear 36 pound boulders on our chest. We don't. And again, that lends, I think, to my theory that yeah. he, that he's, this is who he is because nobody wears 35 pounds on their chest every single day. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you. So, but the point is, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try to deliver the petition. And I still have two questions. And these are very important questions. One, whether he's trans or not, whether this is a prank or not, why is it that Mr. Lemieux, and we have the photos and video evidence to prove it, Sheila, is breaking every rule when it comes to shop etiquette? You know, long sleeves, jewelry, long hair, not put in a hair bun or, uh, you know, under um, a hairnet. Uh, why is that allowed? I mean, is enforcing safety rules transphobic if it's a trans person? And secondly, this school board, very cruelly and maliciously and in a calculated way, Sheila, when the story first broke, for about five days in the news cycle, there was another teacher at that school who was being misidentified as being one and the same as Mr. Lemieux. And they allowed that misinformation to go out. And you can see me talking to the director of education, Mr. Innes, he, him, because I interchanged the words several times and he let it go. Oh, but when I called Mr. Lemieux, he or him, uh, I was corrected in terms of my misgendering. So they're not beyond correcting the narrative. I think what they wanted to do, Sheila, was throw this teacher under the bus, the innocent teacher, to, to say to people, uh-huh, you see how sloppy the media is? They can't even get the names right. They had ample opportunity to correct the record and they didn't. And that is despicable. You know, reality, decency, shop etiquette, propriety, even beauty, they all seem to be just the latest casualties in the war on normalcy. Uh, David, how do people continue to sign your petition? Because you're going to keep going back in one form or, or another as David Menzies or maybe David Mamories. <laughs> and uh, try to deliver the petition so people can still keep adding their names to it. Yeah, Sheila, um, people can go to protectthestudents.ca. That's protectthestudents.ca. I still have the original petition uh, in my uh, possession. Uh, we'll add the new names, and I think about a 1,000 new names have come in since Wednesday. And I'll be going back to the next regularly scheduled uh, Halton District School Board. Uh, like I said, uh, maybe it's a bikini, maybe it's an autumn ensemble, uh, who knows? Uh, we, and I will demand that one of these lazy trustees accept this petition. I mean, you know, Sheila, they don't seem to understand that they work for us. That is the taxpayer. That is the parents with children in this school board. It's not the other way around, but they are so entitled and they are so woke and politically correct, and they are so embracing of cancel culture that they will not take a common sense approach to anything. They will not even question. And same with the rest of the mainstream media, Sheila. Like I said, there's been a couple of exceptions here, uh, the Toronto Sun and the National Post, but the rest of the mainstream media, the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail, CBC, normally they're all down with radical transgenderism, but 
even they suspect there's something not quite right here. And instead of investigating, they're ignoring it. How lazy can you get, Sheila? You know, they told us, David, there was no such thing as a slippery slope, but I think we're swiftly hurtling towards the bottom of it. Um, by the way, David, you know, I'm handy with a sewing machine. So if you need help <laughs> turning a bed sheet or a tarp into some sort of bikini top, you do let me know. Thanks for taking on this story. Only you could do it. Sheila, I'm always there to deliver the jiggle with the giggle. <laughs> oh. I'd like to present a petition called Protect the Students. We've had over 16,000 signatures. It reads, the Halton District School Board and the Director of Education. A normal person in the right mind would dress up like that and go teach kids. Come on. Are you guys okay in your head? Oakville's becoming a mockery of the world. What's wrong with you guys? Come on. You Stop this. Get this teacher out of here. Your seven-year-olds, your four-year-olds, you're going to be okay with that? You're going to be comfortable when your granddaughters are sitting in a school and that's their teacher because you didn't stand up? David Menzies for Rebel News here in Toronto. And folks, in just a few hours, the next Halton District School Board trustee meeting is going to take place. And I want to be there. I want to ask questions about that ongoing circus that's happening at Oakville Trafalgar High School, namely Busty Lemieux. His real name is Kerry Lemieux. He now goes by the name Kayla Lemieux. Uh, he breaks every shop rule in question and questions abound. Uh, is this legitimately a person transitioning? Or is this someone pulling a cosmic prank? Or is this someone suffering from mental illness? And if it's the latter, he needs treatment as soon as possible. Anyways, I can tell you that more than 16,000 of you have signed our petition, protect the students, protect the students. And they need protection because you can see his completely inappropriate attire um, that he wears to shop class. By the way, something, if it was a female student that was wearing this, uh, she would be disciplined or suspended. But believe it or not, folks, there is no dress code for the staff. In any event, I desperately want to go to the school board meeting, but just one hitch. Look what happened last month when I showed up. For five days, the Lemieux story... No, no, you're out of order. The, the Lemieux story was in the news cycle for five days, and it was misreported that Mr. Hannah was the same person, and you never corrected the record. You, Mr. Innes, he, him. You, Dr. Shuttleworth. Heather Francie, a communications director who doesn't communicate, not until Monday night, 10.18 p.m. to be precise, did you correct that. Why did you throw Mr. Hanna under the bus? Yeah, so you see, once again, I got the bums rush. I'm not even sure if they're going to let me in the building uh, or whether their security or even police uh, accomplices are going to keep them protected from impolite questions such as why did they allow Stephen Hanna, an innocent teacher, to be misidentified for several days before they corrected the record? So what to do? What to do? You know what? The saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm a big Wonder Woman fan from the 70s. 
So let's do the Linda Carter thing and see if the menzoid can transition himself. I'd like to present a petition called Protect the Students. We've had over 16,000 signatures. It reads, the Halton District School Board and the Director of Education, Curtis Innes, should be fired for allowing a female identifying job teacher to wear enormous fake breasts that are barely contained by see-through blouses while teaching. Who is going to take this petition? Who is going to take this petition? And why did you throw Stephen Hanna under the bus by allowing him to be misidentified as Kerry Lemieux, AKA Kayla Lemieux? Folks, do you want to see this school board take this petition or what? Yes, I think so. Which one of you cowards, which one of you woke cowards is going to take this petition? Anybody? If you're not taking the petition, that is discrimination Who, where, by Ontario human rights. Where is Curtis Innes, he, him? Where is that coward tonight? No, you're not even going to take the petition? You're not going to accept this from the people who pay your salaries? You owe it to the people. Right here. Over 16,000 signatures. Right here. Are you going to take it? Are you going to take it? Why? Why should I leave? Why should I? You are transphobic. You are asking a transgendered woman to leave the room. How dare you be so transphobic? How dare you? You horse-tooth jack How can you be so transphobic? Can you believe the transphobia here, folks? Can you believe it? I'm trying to deliver a petition. Which one of you is going to take it? Which one of you is going to take it? What's that? Why? Why did you, Dr. Shuttleworth? Why did you throw Dr. Mr. Hanna under the bus? Yeah. Why? Why is Lemieux allowed to break every rule in the shop book? You talk about health and safety. What about the safety in the shop? What are you going to do? Who's going to take this? Who's going to take this? Who is going to take this petition? And Dr. Shuttleworth, why did you, why did you throw Dr. Uh, Mr. Hanna under the bus? Why did you not clear up his identity? Yeah. Oh, the police are on the way. That's your answer, is it? The police are on the way. Is that right? Here, take this. Somebody take this petition. Do you want to see the names of the people that have signed this? The, the people who pay your salaries? Who is going to take this petition? Where's the director of communications that doesn't communicate? I want to present it to one of you. One of you should get off your ricotta cheese candy ass. Get over here and take this position petition. Who's gonna who's it gonna be?
Any he, him, she, hers that can walk 20 meters? Can you believe this? They won't even take it. 16,000 people that you work for have signed this. That's All right, right here. At least of that. It's a human respect issue. What happened with our reward, inspirational reward? We are here to inspire other people. Why don't we? And why is it, you speak of health and safety, why does Busty Lemieux break every shop rule in the book, Dr. Shuttleworth? Why is that? Come on, you're an egghead, you're an educrat. Put that uh, keen intellect of yours to work and give us the answers. I think that you owe it to these people that have come out here. Are you gonna answer these questions? I'll give you credit, at least you're not running away like cowards like at the last school board meeting, and at least you didn't cancel the next school board meeting like you did last week. So come on, uh, Dr. Shuttleworth, take the petition. Take it. We're gonna leave once you're gonna take the, the petition. Well, look, they just they just laugh at you. But what you ones. don't know is today it's a shop teacher in high school. What about when it's a kindergarten teacher teaching your six-year-olds, your seven-year-olds, your four-year-olds? You're gonna be okay with that? You're gonna be comfortable when your granddaughters are sitting at a school and that's their teacher because you didn't stand up right here, right now, today? You are here to do what's right for our children. Our children go to school five days a week, six hours a day. They spend more time in the care of their school than they do with us as parents. We entrust you to do what's right in the better interest of our children. Do you not have children? Do you not have children that are going to have children, grandchildren? Where is the world going if we do not tackle this right now? This what, is who what? we're going to have teaching in, in preschools? It is up to you right now to set an example for every other school in Canada. I am begging you on behalf of my children and their children that they're going to have one day to have the courage and stand up against this agenda that is so sickly being pushed upon our children. I'm shaking I'm almost in tears because I'm begging you, the adults that have some power, that have some say, to put the children first. Please. What is your answer to this lady? What is your answer? What is your answer to this lady's impassioned questions? Can I call you a lady? I don't want to misgender you. Absolutely, 1,000%. Okay, All right, then. By the way, can you define a woman, Miss Shuttleworth? Are you able to do that? We're the only gender can't answer questions. that can I carry this is... and give life, by the way, for those who can't answer. You all have children, or your sisters have children, or somebody in your family has children. Please think about them. Think about the precedence this school is setting for every other school in our country. Stop being scared of this agenda. Stop being scared to go against the narrative and put our children first. Please, please. Who is gonna take this petition? And who is going to answer this lady's questions? Dr. Shuttleworth? Well, I don't know. I think they're obviously transphobic. They can't handle a birthing person like me asking them questions. I'm getting so nervous my uterus is about to fall out, let me tell you. We have 20, 20 16,000 signatures. 
That's what you do in response to asking about the children? Children, innocent children. Children, we as adults are supposed to protect the children. You oh, shame. 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 Why is he stepping in other classes? Why is he not restricted to only the shop room while we deal with this situation? Why is he stepping in grade 10 math and grade 10 science with 15-year-olds? They're 15. They're 15. Cowards. Look at you running away. Running away. Why don't you answer? You're the adults the children depend on? Really? This is a sad world we live in when the children don't even have adults to depend on them to protect we them. We gotta take our kids out of the school. And Every we, one of you deserves to be charged. We gotta make our salary, so we gotta take the kids out of the school. Look at them Shame walking out. Come on. on! Every each one of you who's a trust. Please and you stand are up. Again. Wow! Cowards. Stand up, please. You're cowards. All of us, we gotta to go to walk out. Think about your grandchildren. You. Think about where this is headed if you don't. Unbelievable. Stand up. Shame on you. Think about your grandchildren. Think about it. You owe it to the children. Look at these cowards. Unbelievable. Your grandchildren Unbelievable. Uh, How do you look at your kids at night? I think they're absolute cowards. Um, they know what they're doing. They know that the parents are upset. They know that the students are upset. They know the community is upset and they won't, they won't address it at all whatsoever. How many board members were in there and they, not one single one of them would say a single word or come forward to accept the petition. This is not a person who's transitioning. A person who's transitioning, as you just said, would do it in a more, you know, not so out there manner, like the prosthetics wouldn't be out to here, right? So this is, this has to be obviously a mental illness that we're dealing with. So why do we have somebody that's clearly mentally disturbed around our kids wearing something that they bought like in a sex shop or on Amazon. It, this it's, I don't know, it blows my mind that the adults, we just had how many adults walk away and not say anything. Like these people are the ones that are in charge of making decisions for our kids. Sign our petition at protectthestudents.ca. That's protectthestudents.ca. Uh, you can make your uh, opinions known at that URL to the school board members. And when we assemble a critical mass of, of signatures, I will personally deliver it right here to the Halton District School Board, assuming they won't have uh, security and police block me. So again, go to protectthestudents.ca and make your voices heard.